Welcome to Compassionate Conversations, where we push the boundaries of comfort to empower you to become all that you dream of being. Hi everyone, I'm Esther Kane, Canadian psychotherapist and author. For over 25 years, I have helped thousands of highly sensitive people take back their power by owning their sensitivity and seeing it as a superpower rather than a mental health issue. To my great delight, I get to bear witness to these incredible transformations every day. For more information on the highly sensitive personality, please visit this page on my website to learn more as well as how to assess whether you or a loved one is an HSP. If you are a highly sensitive person, you have probably struggled for most of your life believing that you were deeply flawed and didn't fit in. This can lead to internalized shame and self-blame about not being like most of the people around you. You are not alone. At least 20% of other humans across the globe have experienced that too, including me. The video you are about to watch is part of a series of interviews featuring some of my favorite highly sensitive people, or HSPs. We will take a deep dive into what it's like to be an HSP in a non-HSP world, as well as sharing tricks and tools that we've learned to accept our sensitivity and flourish in all areas of our lives. We hope you find these as helpful and life-changing as we do. The goal of this series is to emancipate, uplift, and empower highly sensitive people the world over. Join me and some other HSPs in this unique series in order to see that there are others just like you who experience the world in similar ways and have learned to navigate it powerfully and peacefully. I'm so excited about today's episode where I will be interviewing Amy Pinnell, MSW, RSW, who also happens to be a highly sensitive person. She helps highly sensitive people embrace and honor their sensitivity so that they can not only prevent burnout, but actually thrive in the field of social work. Through her business, Sensitive Social Worker, she offers one-on-one -on -one consultations and online programs that help HSP social workers reconnect with their needs as a sensitive person and shape their social work practice so that it serves them. She also offers holistic virtual counseling for highly sensitive helping professionals through her private practice, Brave Spirit Counseling. You can find the links to these services in the show notes. Welcome, Amy. Hi, thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. So like me and probably many people watching and listening to this, you are a highly sensitive person. I am. <laughs> uh, so I always start by asking how you discovered this trait in yourself and describe what your life has been like being a highly sensitive person. Yeah. Um, so I've always known that I've been a little bit different than the, the most of the folks around me um, kind of growing up and throughout my life. Um, I found that I felt things really deeply. Um, so there's often like an intensity to my emotions that not everyone else had. Um, but I also did 
often, you know, as a child, I was told that I, I was really, really quiet. So I was definitely one of those HSPs that was called considered shy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know my, my mom said growing up, like I was quiet, but I was like always observing and uh, absorbing everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know like, you know, I think I was processing that and, and had some deep emotions about that. And I remember in particular endings were, um, really emotional for me. I really struggled with okay. those. Can you give some example? Yeah, I'm thinking like the end of like a trip or a vacation or mm. um, if, you know, someone was visiting and then they had to go home, those types of things where there was like, okay, I don't know when I'll see this person again or this mm. thing that felt important to me is over for now. So like a lot of tears, like it was like, gr- like yeah. really intense grief um, yes, while, yes. but the other folks involved didn't seem to feel the grief in that same intense right. way in those right. moments. And yeah, I'm just thinking what else my life was like. Um, Yeah, so I would say I didn't know about the HSP trait um, until just a few years ago, actually. Yeah, when did you find out? How old were you when you figured all this out? Oh, yeah. So I was, I think, in my late 20s. Mm. Um, So I'm like, I guess I can give my age. I'm I'm almost 33 now. I'm 32. Okay. Um, Okay. So it was probably three or four years ago. And at that point in time, so I, I guess, you know, what it was like being an HSP, I did have a lot of anxiety throughout most of my life. And I have a sense that, you know, part of that was overstimulation, right? Yeah. And yeah. what did I it look it, like, Amy, break it down for us? Like, what did your anxiety look like in your day to day living? Yeah, I mean, I think it's changed over time. Like at first, it showed up, I think, when I was a kid. And a teenager as like that quietness, right? Like almost like mm-hmm. not being able to speak up or share or like show my true self. Like I almost mm-hmm. froze. <laughs> and yeah. over time as a teenager and then a young adult, I did start to kind of push myself outside of my comfort zone and speak up more. But about the nervous system, how did you learn to regulate mm-hmm. your nervous system? Because I know so many HSPs that we struggle yeah. with that. So tell mm-hmm. us more about that. Yeah, so for me, I'd say um, one of the, like my favorite kind of tools or strategies is grounding. So Mm -hmm. I use lots of different types of grounding um, tools. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, deep breathing is a really basic one that a lot of people can Mm -hmm. use, but I use a lot of like somatic kind of body focused ones, like tuning into different body sensations. Mm-hmm. Um, basically anything that brings you back to the present moment, right? So yeah. I do a lot of physical grounding, but then I'll also, depending what's going on, you know, can do like mental grounding, mm-hmm. um, tuning into the senses. And mm-hmm. I'd say that one of the other, along with grounding is like self-soothing. So like anything yeah. that feels really comforting yeah, um, is well, so good you, for the nervous system. Yeah. yeah. Can you give our listeners some, some, just some simple ones that work? Yeah. People? So I think for self-soothing, it's going to be really personal. So like I can give you some examples of mine, but just, you know, anything that kind of give like you can always feel your like muscles relax a bit or just kind of a sense of ease, a sense of uh, comfort. And for me, it's like, you know, there's like a cup of hot tea. There's certain yeah. textures. Even holding a cup of tea yeah. too can be nice. Yeah. yeah, the holding it, the smelling it, the tasting it. Yeah. Um, and then certain textures. Like I love really soft things. So like cuddly mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Um, and then I often use grounding objects. So like stones or things like that. Right. And I'll kind of hold and focus on yeah. the texture and the weight and what it's like to 
to hold that. Um, yes, yeah. yeah, and that can be, you know, you can pick something that feels really soothing as well mm-hmm. as grounding. But I'm curious about how you have found your place in the uh, world that is mostly filled with non-highly sensitive people. Yeah, I really love that question. In terms of finding my way in the world, it that understanding of the trait, like, because I just, when I found the term, I just did a deep dive into the research because it just aligned so much with my life experiences um, and who I am and how I show up in the world. And I think over time, it's actually been less about like finding my place in the world and more about just recognizing like I already belong, like I've always belonged and beautiful belong exactly where I am and how I am. Um, Why, why are you important, Amy? Why do you feel you're important? What have you learned about that? About me being, oh, for the, like with my sense That you belong, like, well, why do you belong in this world? Yeah, well, I mean, I think I belong, but partly just as a human being, you know, I think we all have inherent worth, but yeah, the sensitivity, it it has an important place in in the world, in society, in our humanity, Um, because definitely learning about the role that um, highly sensitive people have played in society over time, how we're often like the the advisors, right? We yeah. we are a little bit more cautious, so it means we see the bigger picture. We, we go, move at a slower pace, and mm-hmm. that it actually really complements the the, the non highly sensitive people. Yeah, and that we need we need both. Um, exactly. And when we work together, you know, beautiful things happen. And, and I well, think yeah, that's part of that belonging. Like, right? I I do serve a yeah. purpose, right? My sensitivity is here for a reason it's not a problem right yeah well I was asking a client yesterday um who's highly sensitive what do you think it'd be like if the whole world was just like you (laughs) and we were just laughing it's like nothing you know no one would talk and we wouldn't social you know and and then I said but on the other hand what would it be like if everyone if everyone in the world was a non-sensitive person it was like oh my gosh But having the two both are scary thoughts. Yeah. 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 But having the two complement each other, like the yin and the yang. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So for for that trait, I think. And then I think in terms of finding my place too, learning, um, learning about the trait gave me the language to explain myself to to the people that it mattered to, so that we could build a deeper understanding and I could set you know, uh, create what I needed in life, right? Like set different boundaries yes. or like bring in yes. things that um, I needed to to feel good. So if you don't mind letting us know, because I'm so curious as a fellow therapist, I mean, we both have the same education and sort yeah. of background, although you're a lot younger than me. But um, yeah, I'm just curious how you have found your way in the world, you know, because we're, I think we're expected as HSPs, well, we're expected to be non-HSPs, like basically work nine to five, five days a week, be out there doing all this stuff, going at a really fast pace. I mean, how did you set up your work life and mm-hmm. your your social life, like everything, family mm-hmm. life, relationships based on your temperament? Yeah, I mean, once I understood the, the trait, well, I think I started making changes before I fully understood the trait, actually. I think I okay. started recognizing things that I needed and feeling more comfortable, like giving that to myself and setting boundaries. And then I found the trait. Yeah. And I was like, okay, now I like really get it. And let's, yeah. let's, um, 
and watching other people do it too, right? So I mean, let's move on to what your definition is of burnout and how does it apply specifically to highly sensitive people? Yeah, so burnout, I think of burnout as, um, yeah, I guess it's like, it is like the mental, physical and emotional exhaustion from chronic stress. So basically mm -hmm. when our nervous system is spends too much time in the stress response and very little time in the rest and relaxation response. But I would say we get to the point of like, okay, now it's burnout is when the symptoms that come from that get their, their, they're critical, right? We're, we're not mm -hmm. able to function um, mm -hmm. either at work or at home anymore. And mm -hmm. leading up to that, we kind of just have stress and then we have our chronic yeah. stress and it gets worse and worse until we kind of, we hit a wall. <laughs> Let's Basically. get granular. What are those symptoms? Yeah, so I would say, um, yeah, I guess we can use the word symptoms. I often notice I use the word like signs, but yeah. Or signs, whatever. Either way, yeah. So, I mean, I would say overall, like anyone who's been in that realm, like the, the most obvious one is just like that exhaustion, like you're yeah. running on empty, right? So you yeah. get up or you go to work and your, your tank's already at empty um, yeah. and you're kind of pushing through when you got nothing, got nothing left. And yeah. it's just this drain, this exhaustion. Um, and yeah. And then I think the, some of the other signs or, or symptoms are often like when we, it's hard because I feel like there's different stages. Um, so at the beginning, I would say it's more mild. It's more like kind of anxiety, um, yeah. maybe if, you know, maybe some headaches or some physical symptoms, but they're a bit more mild. There may be like a mm -hmm. decrease in motivation um, mm -hmm. of what your, of your, about your, your work, um, kind of lack of, you lose some, a little bit of the passion or the drive. So that would be mm -hmm. like kind of stress. And then when you hit the cr more chronic stress, that's when you get into more of that feeling of like resentment sometimes. Mm -hmm. I'd say some people experience more like anger resentment. And some people experience more like an apathy, like yeah. just not caring. And then the, usually there's physical symptoms, whatever those are for you get worse. Give us some stories or themes in the stories from HSP clients. Yeah, sure. about burnout. That would be helpful. Yeah, so- I will say that overall, I think the highly sensitive people are more susceptible to burnout um, mm -hmm. because of our innate nature. We pick up on more subtleties, we process things more deeply, mm -hmm. and we feel emotions more intensely. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so just in these environments, you know, we're picking things up, we're processing it, we're more susceptible to overstimulation. And that overstimulation, a chronic overstimulation can lead to chronic overarousal, which can lead to burnout. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So yeah. that doesn't mean that we, you know, HSPs are definitely going to burn out. It just means we have to yeah. be really mindful of okay. when we're overstimulated and how we respond yeah. and find ways to reduce overstimulation. Okay. How do we replenish that energy too, right? Just knowing yes. how much it, yes. it takes. Um, and then I think the other piece is just how we have this kind of natural empathy, like kind of, we can mm -hmm. sense other people's emotions. And if yeah. we're not careful, we can take them on as our own. Um, yeah. There's one think, study, sorry to interrupt, yeah, but ahead. there's one study that found that um, many HSPs couldn't differentiate between their own emotions and someone else's. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not surprised by that yeah. at all. <laughs> Yeah, we have to be I think, vigilant yeah. about, yeah, well, just the self-care piece, right? 
Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think that there is a lot of practice. That's definitely something I've done a lot of work on is trying to figure out what are my emotions and what do they need? Yes. Um, yeah. Distinguishing that from others. And, yeah. but I think that that feeling other people's emotions like that, sometimes that can uh, get in the way of like setting boundaries or saying no, or, okay. you know, pulling back from certain tasks or jobs overdoing yeah we push ourselves so that we don't make other people feel uncomfortable right because we can feel it when they are right we can feel the client's disappointment we can feel you know our colleagues frustration um so we you know we 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 respond to those emotions rather than to our to our own yeah 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 so just I think those are the reasons why highly sensitive people need to, you know, are, I would just say we're more at risk of it, right? Like there's definitely things we can do to prevent all of those things. Um, Yeah. I think I experienced burnout, major burnout six times before I figured out the highly sensitive piece. So yeah, Yeah. just, yeah, uh, you know, warning, I just, or I hope that people listen to this and watching this that are younger than us, that are in these kind of helping professions take heed from what we're saying and learn at a younger age and, you know, get more um, proactive about it because you don't have to burn out so much. Absolutely. Yeah. That is my hope too. A lot of the times, like I talked about like stress and chronic stress and burnout, but like before that there's this um, often we go like the theme of notice is that folks will go into either a role or a project or something like that. And it's actually like, um, they're super energized and motivated yeah. and excited. And there's this sense of like, okay, like, you know, I'm going to go in, I'm going to do my best. And they, yeah. you know, there's a lot of job satisfaction and feeling really good about the work. Um, and with that, I'd say there's this sense of like, okay, I need to prove myself or yeah, I can't let anybody down or. Yeah. Um, I think, they, I think it's, ties in Amy I'm not sure what your thoughts are on this but I think that ties into perfectionism Mm -hmm. and wanting to do our absolute best because I find a lot of HSPs or maybe all HSPs tend to be perfectionists right so we go in there with these huge expectations of ourselves and Mm -hmm. I think that can you know lead to some burnout too because I always say to a lot of clients it's like we're going for the A++ when most of society is just cruising at a B (laughs) Right. So, so we're going to be spending a lot more energy than other people. And the last question I have for you are what tools and advice do you give to these highly sensitive uh, clients who have experienced burnout in order to prevent further burnout in the future? In other words, how can highly sensitive people focus on resilience and balance so that they don't burn out Mm -hmm. regularly? Resilience and balance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, one of the things I say is that, I mean, generally I actually pose it as a question, like what if instead mm-hmm. of expecting yourself to toughen up um, or develop thicker skin, you created boundaries that honor your softness and sensitivity. Right. Um, so I encourage people to just imagine that, right? And I think sometimes it's pretty scary <laughs> to imagine because, mm-hmm. okay, I'll have to let some people down. Um mm-hmm. But I'd say one of the biggest things I work with people around is finding their own set of boundaries that make the work sustainable for them. Mm-hmm. And you know, 
it, that's a, a huge topic because there's so many, it's going to look different for everybody. Boundaries are so nuanced and everyone has different needs um, and different situations that they're in. Um, but for example, some are like, you know, even like we talked about, like practices to set, like let go of other people's emotions, right? And kind of right, right, separating right. from those, like that's an internal boundary that you can just set with yeah. yourself. Um, yeah. or energetic boundaries around like, okay, what do I actually, what not, not what do I have time for? What do I have any energy for in one day or in yeah. one week, right? Like how many clients does that look like? Um, yeah. And, or like how many breaks do I need in the day yeah. to yeah. end the day with some Being very specific, I think, about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. yeah. And writing it down and coming up with a sort of schedule. Yeah. Exactly. That includes yeah. all that self-care stuff. Yeah, working that in for sure. And then, you know, there's the boundaries that we have that we make with other people, right? With our clients, with our coworkers, yeah. with our employers. Those I are sometimes the most challenging ones, right? When we actually have to communicate mm-hmm. them. Um, mm-hmm. But working with folks around those. And then, like you mentioned, the self-care, like specifically, mm-hmm. um, I help folks kind of narrow down what their deep self-care is. Mm-hmm. Um, because I find, I'm not sure if you heard like the dip, simple self-care versus deep self-care. Before. No, can you tell us what that means? Yeah. So simple self-care is more of like the surface self-care. Um, mm. Things like taking a bath or like eating chocolate and mm. watching mm. Netflix, which are like, they're mm. enjoyable. Like they, they don't add stimulation. <laughs> they're, yeah. you know, they're, but they're not like deeply nourishing. And okay. I actually... Deep self-care is the word that I've kind of heard used a lot, but I actually like the word like soul care. To mm. me, it's like what nourishes your soul. It's kind of more of yeah. like what um, helps you feel more connected to your true self and mm. to something bigger than yourself, right? Whether right. it's the universe, nature, or or whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. So making sure that when you're practicing self-care, you're that there's some of those things. Um, can you we, give examples? Definitely. Um, if we only take baths and watch Netflix, we're probably still going to feel drained. <laughs> and eat chocolate. <laughs> yeah, and eat chocolate. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, little tidbit about me. I eat chocolate every day. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a big part of my self care, but I also knock deep self care. Yeah. Um, deep deep so, self care would be bathing in a, in a whole bath of chocolate. <laughs> yeah. It would be deep, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so some examples of the deep self-care, like more like soul self-care would be things like meditating or Mm. really mindful movements, things that Mm -hmm. kind of bring you back to the present moment, um, creative activities, like whatever Mm. way you like to express yourself or kind of lean into your creative energy. So like painting or drawing or writing or yeah sculpting or whatever that looks like yeah and for a lot of um hsp's time in nature is uh, yeah. a big one it's very uh healing and helps us kind of connect mm-hmm. and a lot of the times i think that um i would say therapy too can be deep self-care i think like, yeah absolutely well. um, or kind of good for the soul and you know it's kind of like a different perspective but like you know some of the scientific kind of views of how to prevent burnout focus on Mm -hmm. um 
like nervous system regulation. So coming from the stress response back yeah. into the rest and relaxation response. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I mentioned like the grounding and a lot of those things that are good for kind of um, trauma responses are actually really yeah. good for burnout prevention mm -hmm. and burnout and coping with burnout. Um, so movement and grounding practices, breathing practices, um, like uh, physical touch where we kind of release that oxytocin. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's a lot of overlap I noticed between yeah. like the deep self-care and the um, kind of focus on the nervous system regulation. Yes. But um, yes. yeah, so I think either way you look at it, it's like what what leaves you feeling like full, right? What lights you yes. up? What leaves you Nourishes feeling like you. really nourished? Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Well, this has been so enjoyable. I mean, I'm sure people will get a lot out of this. You've given us a lot to think about a lot of tips and tools. If you enjoyed today's show, please take the time to subscribe to this channel. And if you're on YouTube, please give this video a thumbs up and comment on what you liked about it. As well, feel free to pass this episode on to others whom you think may benefit. And of course, we always appreciate positive reviews. We would really appreciate it if you took the time to review the podcast so that others will want to check it out as well. And we can spread the word about these compassionate conversations. Thanks so much.